So you guys know our mission, love Jesus, all our hearts. Journey together, that means loving one another. And then we want to bring hope to folks outside, whether or not they're across the street, around the world. That's what we're about. So we have been looking at the life of faith in the Abraham story. This is our fifth and final week in the Abraham narrative. We've been asking the question, what does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean for you and me in 2019 here in our world to live by faith and to trust our God? And this is absolutely vital because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith chapter, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God loves it when we trust him. Trusting God goes with loving God. If you love God, you'll trust God. If you trust God, you'll love God. So God loves for us to trust him. He wants us to love him back. Now, the greatest example of faith in all the Bible is Abraham. And the greatest example of faith in the life of Abraham comes in Genesis 22, when God tells him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And that's the passage that we are on today. Just as God was building faith in Abraham, God is building faith in you and in me. He's always at work in your life and my life building faith. Now, the backstory for Genesis 22, if you've been with us, you know most of this story. Abraham and Sarah lived in Ur of the Chaldees, a long way away from modern-day Israel. It's found in modern-day Iraq. God calls them to leave, and they, by faith, they obey God, trust God. They leave. God promises them to give them the land and to give them descendants. Now, the problem is, is that Sarah is 75 and barren. Well, uh, yeah, at that time, uh, she's 65 and barren. Abraham is 75 and barren, and he promises them children. In fact, as many descendants as the stars in the sky. But years go by, years go by, no child until 25 years later when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90. And then when this young boy of promise, through whom they're going to you know, have this great nation, when he grows up to uh, a teenage years, God tells him to do the impossible. And we're going to see the greatest test of faith in all the Old Testament. And God is going to show Abraham that he is a faithful God. And you can put your faith in a faithful God. You stand with me. I'm going to read the passage in Genesis 22. I'm going to read most of the passage. As I read it, just remind yourself, this is not just a Bible story. This happened to real flesh and blood people like us. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. And come again to you. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Church, this is God's holy word. Please be seated. In fact, just a note on this being God's holy word. This morning, early morning, I'm over in my office area, and I'm meeting with the Lord, praying and reading the Bible. And my passage today includes the end of John 10. And at the end of John 10, Jesus makes a parenthetical statement to the religious leaders. He just sort of says parenthetically, he says, and the scriptures cannot be broken. Now, we don't normally use that verb with written words, saying of words, they cannot be broken. And Jesus is saying something very strong out of the ordinary there. He's saying, these words, my words, are the words of God, and they are completely reliable in every way. You can trust them. They will not be broken. This is God's word. All righty. Genesis 22 begins with a simple statement. After these things, God tested Abraham. Now, we're going to have five faith principles in this passage. The first one is right here. The first phrase, your faith will be tested. Just as God tested Abraham's faith, just as God tested the faith of everybody in Scripture, just as God has tested the faith of every believer down through history, God is testing your faith. That is, there will be faith opportunities in your life involving challenges, trials, sufferings, hard things, and God is testing your faith. Never be surprised that you're going through a hard time. I mean, right now, many of you are going through a very hard time. All of us have some challenges, so all of us have some tests going on. But never let that catch you by surprise because you you know the scriptures that God teaches us by example and by word God will test our faith. God doesn't test Abraham's faith, and God doesn't test your faith in order to find out how you're going to do. He's God. He knows. He is testing your faith to teach you to trust him, to teach you that in your desperate situations, when you cannot handle it yourself, God will come through for you. He is a faithful God. God is building faith in you. 
and in me in our one lifetime, one opportunity to trust God just as he was building faith, and he will test us. Testing is a required course in the school of faith. You don't learn faith by going off and reading some theology books or uh, things like that. God might use that, but we really learn faith when we get into the everyday stuff of life and have to trust God in desperate situations. And this was a most desperate situation. So there will be tests. Never be surprised by tests. By the way, when it comes to testing, don't compare yourself. You're testing with the testing of somebody else. That's just disaster. It just doesn't work. That's not going to lead. That's not going to help you at all. You're a unique individual. God deals with you uniquely. Don't compare your tests with the tests of other people. Don't be caught off guard, surprised by your tests. You never have to say, oh, God, what are you doing here? Why are you allowing me to be tested? This is how you learn faith. Of course, we're going to be tested. All right. How are you being tested today? Here's how I'm being tested. Here are just a few of my tests. Um, I think I've mentioned in recent days that uh, I don't struggle much with OCD. Occasionally I get a little bit of a, a challenge there. But I struggle at times with the fear that OCD will come back. And that's a scary thought for me. That's a test. I've got to trust God rather than give way to fear that this mental disease is going to assail me again. I've got one of our kids and one of our grandkids with some fairly significant health issues. That's a test for me, to trust God. I've got ongoing tests because I've got a thousand decisions as leading this church, and I don't have the wisdom for them, so I, I've got this continual daily test of trusting God to guide me in things. Those are some of my tests. What about you? What are your tests? Do you identify them as tests? They're not just random things that happen in the universe. God is at work in your life building faith. So what test are you going through right now? Does it involve your singleness? Does it involve a marriage struggle, difficulty? Does it involve one of your kids in a very challenging situation? Does it involve an addiction that you're struggling with or a loved one struggling with? Health problems for you or one of your family members? Financial pressure or struggle? Uh, some situation at your job, at your work, maybe you need a job or work. Maybe a broken heart because you've lost a loved one. What's your test? Or what is one of your tests? God's always at work testing us to build faith, to grow your faith. Don't think, what is God doing? He's testing. Okay, number one, your faith will be tested just as it was with Abraham. Okay, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now, if you remember in the reading, there are about three times in the passage where Abraham responds, here I am. And what he's saying is, God, here I am, available to you. It's the response of surrender to God, availability. Abraham responds with the voice of surrender. And here's the second faith principle. Faith surrenders all to God. If you're trusting God, then you've got a voice, you've got a posture, you've got a heart to surrender Him. Not just a word to do it lightly, but a deep and profound surrender. Oswald Chambers, who wrote the well-known devotional guide, My Utmost for His Highest, he once put it this way. He said, there's only one thing God wants in us, and that is unconditional 
surrender. It's the only thing he wants in you. Total surrender of everything. Because that shows your faith. Now, every Sunday morning, we pray a prayer together, the Lord's Prayer. And the first few lines assume surrender if we're praying from our heart. We pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom, your rule, your reign, what you want, may that be done on earth as it is in heaven. That assumes in my life. That's a prayer of surrender if you mean it. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that just religious words or do you mean that? You're saying, God, whatever it is, I've made a decision. A firm, resolved decision. I'm yours. Whatever you want. Faith surrenders all to God. Or perhaps, is there some area of your life that you are, I mean, you don't say the words, but you're, you have the attitude, Lord, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. This is mine. You can't have this one. Faith surrenders all to God. Okay. Abraham says, here I am. And God responds in verse 2. Take your son, your only son. By the way, throughout this passage, God is often going to refer to Isaac, not just as your son, but your only son. He's emphasizing, this is your only son with Sarah. This is your only son of promise. This is the son through whom you're going to have this great chosen people. This is your only son. And when God sends his son, he uses the same language. When Jesus Christ comes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, or as it's translated in the King James, your only begotten son. It means only son. And we are going to get the picture that this whole story with Isaac is actually a pointer to what God is going to do one day with his son. So just as he says, take your son, your only son, it is a pointer foreshadowing what God will do with your son. Okay, verse 2, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. It's also how Jesus, how the Father talks of Jesus. This is my son whom I love. Take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Oh, don't let that pass you. Did you hear that? Well, what if God said that to you? What if Justin or Will, if God came to you and said, take your child, sacrifice your child as a burnt offering? I mean, that's just too big. We can't handle that. Our, our, our minds cannot digest that. We cannot process that. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? God said that to Abraham. Can you imagine how that hit Abraham? Ton of bricks. Ton of... Take your son, your only son, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is one of those passages that, you know, are still a little bit scary. I mean, the, the thought is so abhorrent to us that, you know, we'd be asking something like that, that it, it just, man, God is a little bit unpredictable here, you know, just a little scary to us. <clears throat> Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Where's Moriah? Some of you know, that's where Jerusalem is. Kind of the, the mountaintop of Jerusalem. Many of you have gone to Israel with me. 
and you go from sea level, and you're climbing up and up and up, and you get to Jerusalem, and you see this city up on a hill, about 2,500 feet elevation, and uh, at the top of that uh, city is Mount Zion, or it's the land of Moriah. It's the biblical Old Testament name is Moriah, and that's where the temple was built, and in the vicinity is where Jesus was sacrificed, and so on the same land, again, a pointer to Jesus, where Abraham is to sacrifice his son, God will one day sacrifice his son at Moriah. So God tells him, take this long waited upon son that you've been waiting for 25 years. Now he's grown up as a teenager and take him and sacrifice him. Here's the third principle. At times, faith seems crazy. God is not always logical. It's not logical for God to ask Abraham to sacrifice his only son that he'd been waiting for for 25 years. He's going to be the son through which he's going to build all the, the people of God. That just makes no sense. And at times, God will ask you to do things that don't completely make sense, that you cannot figure out how everything's going to work out. Faith is going to involve risk, or it won't be faith. I mean, if it was just easy and made complete sense, you wouldn't need faith. But God is going to ask you to do some things that stretch you, that are uncomfortable for you, You're not sure how it's going to work out. Now, God is not going to ask you to sacrifice your child. That was Abraham, and God was making a point here. But God will ask you to do things that are not safe or comfortable. Will you obey God? Will you respond in faith? Will you trust the Lord? For example, coming up on Easter, maybe this is a smaller one, but maybe not so small, Uh, Maybe there's a neighbor that God's been putting in your heart, maybe one of your top five, and God really wants you to stretch yourself, reach out, serve them in some way, invite them here, something like that. Something uh, unusual to reach out to your top five. Maybe God will call you to get into a ministry that you don't feel adequate for. Maybe God will call you to start a ministry. Some of us were at a a banquet last night for Love Fosters Hope, this marvelous ministry with with foster kids. And... uh, you know, God put on the heart of Cindy Miracle at some point to start this ministry, and it has had incredible impact in the last 20 years. Uh, maybe God will call you to start a business, to leave your safe job to do something unusual. Maybe God will call you next time you buy a car not to resell your car to the dealer, the car you've got, but to give it away to a single mom who needs help. Maybe God will call you to take in a foster child. Maybe God will call you to adopt a child. There's a family in our church, and they've had 13 miscarriages. And God has put on their heart to fund 13 adoptions. And they're living below their means so they can do that. Maybe God will call you to do something radical like that. Maybe God will call you just to obey Him with your giving. Because maybe your pattern is that of many Christians. As you wait to the end of the month, you see if you have anything left over, and if so, you kind of tip God. That's not biblical giving. Biblical giving is when you start at the start of the month, you take the first 10% or so and trust God, He's going to come through for you. That's faith. Maybe God wants you to obey Him with some other command that is really not convenient for you. Maybe to, to love your spouse the way Christ loved the church or to love your your wives love your husbands, respect your husbands the way God has called you to. Maybe he's calling, calling you to uh, uh, give up, surrender completely this addiction and to get help. Maybe God is calling you to, to be a truth teller 
and you've got such a pervasive habit of lying and shading the truth. Um, all kinds of things. Maybe God wants some of you to plant a church through Wood's Edge. Uh, that did, um, the, there were two young women here leading worship, Esther Micken, one of our worship, our worship intern. This was Ashley Rush. Uh, if you've been here the last couple of years, you may not recognize Ashley Rush, but Ashley and her husband Ben, uh, about three years ago, were our worship pastors, and they were here five years as worship pastors, and God is leading them to leave their well-paying job in the marketplace and to go start a church. And they're doing that through Wood's Edge. Maybe God will leave one of you to do that. Here's the point. At times, God will ask you to do things that are not comfortable or easy. At times, faith seems crazy. Okay, so God gives Abraham this impossible command to sacrifice his son Isaac, his only son. That he waited for for 25 years. How does Abraham respond? Now, watch this. Watch what happens. I love this next line. Okay, God tells Abraham to do the impossible. He's dumbfounded. He's numb. His heart's pacing and racing. I bet he doesn't sleep that night. What happens the next day? Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place to which God had told him. He just obeyed. Early the next morning, Abraham starts obeying. I bet he didn't tell Sarah about it. (laughs) Abraham does not argue. He does not negotiate. He does not filibuster. He does not delay. He obeys. Isn't that something? What had happened in Abraham's heart? I mean, Abraham was a flawed man like you are, like I am. He's a flawed person. But he had learned over the years he had learned who God was. He had learned that God was God and he was not. And that God was a faithful God. And whatever God said, he could trust him. He had come to place. And he gets up the next morning and heads out that way. You imagine his heart was overwhelmed with worry and fear. But he obeys. You know, understanding, and we've seen before, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. You know, one day you might understand why God is doing what he's doing in your life. Not fully until heaven. Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot wait. Here's the fourth one. Faith obeys God no matter what. Faith obeys God, and that's what Abraham does. He immediately obeys God. If you're not obeying God, if there's some area of disobedience, at that point, you're not trusting God. You're not. You're depending upon yourself. All righty. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day... Abraham lifted up his eyes. So he's getting close to Jerusalem, what's modern-day Jerusalem. At the time, it's just wilderness, land of Moriah, just woods and hills out there. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now, that phrase, that expression, on the third day, does that remind you of anything in the New Testament? It does, doesn't it? God is, peppers this passage with reminders of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus and what God does for us in the sacrifice of Jesus. The third day. The place, Moriah, perhaps same spot exactly where Jesus was crucified. Maybe the same spot as the the temple was built. Don't know for sure. Okay, three-day trip he makes. Can you imagine? 
how, how his heart was just overwhelmed with grief and fear and worry and how in the world is he actually going to plunge the knife into his son. Now, Abraham had not read Genesis 22, of course. He didn't know how this is going to play out. But the New Testament tells us what he's thinking as he's going there. Do you remember? Remember what he's thinking? He's thinking this. Okay. God says to sacrifice my son. This is the son we've been waiting for for 25 years through whom God's going to give all these descendants. Apparently, God is going to raise my son from the dead. That's what he's thinking. It's faith. Never happened before. Hebrews eleven seventeen tells us, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So that's what he was thinking. He's, he's going to go through with this. He's going to do it. Principle number four, faith obeys God no matter what. Verse 5 is another great line. When Abraham said to his young men, when he got to that place and he sees the last stretch up the mountain, he says to his two servants, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. We're coming back. God, I guess, is going to raise him from the dead. We're going to go over there and worship, and then we're going to come back. So verse 6, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. So the, the wood is placed on his back, probably. Uh, does that remind you of something about Jesus? As the wooden cross is placed on his back. He took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire, probably a flint, stone to start the fire, the fire and the knife. So they both went up to them together. Now, just imagine that scene. Imagine that father and son, the son that he loved and delighted in, walking up that mountain. Can you imagine Abraham trudging up there? What's he going to say to Isaac? You know, what, what's, how's he going to do this? Can you imagine him getting up on the top there, and he begins gathering the stones to make the altar? Do you think he's rushing through that? I don't think so. I think he's taking all the time in the world. I think he goes to the farthest place he can and grab a stone and slowly walks back. I mean, he's, he's taking all the time, giving God plenty of space to call this thing off. And he's just taking his time, and his heart is racing and beating, and you can hear the sobs begin to coming out of his voice and his mouth. And then when it's time to tell Isaac what's happening, because, you know, he may be 13, 14, 15, and Isaac's got to go along with this, and to his credit, he does. And can you imagine when he has to tell Isaac what's going to happen and the sobs and the embrace. And can you imagine Abraham just holding that embrace as long as he can? And then it's time. And Isaac climbs up on the altar. Abraham ties him up there. And Abraham had said to him, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide for himself the lamb. Does that not point to Jesus? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Faith has a motto. This is the fifth principle. Faith has a motto. 
the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. How are you going to do this thing? This is, you know, I don't have the ability to do this ministry or start this business or give this thing away. Uh, how are you going to do that? Faith has a motto. The Lord will provide. God's going to take care of you. Have you learned that about God? Have you been like Abraham? You have walked with God enough to know God is faithful. Won't be easy, but he will be faithful. Every step of the way, the Lord will provide. Twice more in the passage, that phrase will be repeated, the Lord will provide. Whatever you need, God will give you wisdom. He will provide you strength. He will provide you protection. He will free you from addiction. He will give you peace. If you trust your God, he will provide for you. In his time and in his way, God will provide for you. God will provide for himself the lamb. Again, pointing to Jesus. Number, verse 9, when they came to the place to which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Tears are coming, no doubt. And, and can you imagine as, as Abraham puts him there? We read in verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Remember, he's fully, fully expecting to kill him. And can you imagine that all heaven is on tiptoe watching this faith? Did, any, did ever a man or a woman have the kind of faith that Abraham shows here? Trusting his God. Believing that God will provide. God's going to take care of him. The drama is at his peak. Abraham has the knife extended over his head, over at his hand, ready to, to sacrifice. And at that point, at the 11th hour, 59th minute, Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Here I am. Voice of surrender. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, saying you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And you can imagine the relief that hits Abraham. It overwhelms him. Do not lay your hand on the boy. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So there's another lamb that God provides, another animal, instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Faith has a motto, the Lord will provide. And in light of that, God reaffirms the promises. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now that scene in the same place, Moriah, where Jesus would be sacrificed on the third day, carrying the wood up the mountain to the same spot, your son, your only son, all of this is just pointing one day to what God the Father will do with His Son. Except 
when his son was going to be sacrificed instead of you, the father does not hold back the knife. But Jesus is crucified, really. Now, think about it. God sacrificed his son instead of you. You. Not instead of just Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and great people like that. Instead of you. You. My son. My daughter. Whom I love. It's a great picture of the cross. Martin Luther, the German pastor who lived in the 1500s who uh, married this spirited wife, Katie, a former nun, was reading this passage in family devotions one night with Katie and the kids. Katie called out, I do not believe it. God would not have treated his son like that. Luther responded, he did, Katie. He did. And he did it for you and for me. It's the beauty of the cross and the love of God for us. And church, because of that kind of love and that kind of grace, God wants us to trust him. If you trust him, you love him. God wants you to love him back. If you're not trusting him, you really don't love him. You don't, you're not trusting your God. He is looking for people today. 2019, right here in our area, who will be people of faith like Abraham and who will trust their God enough to obey him, whatever God says. Your faith will be tested. Faith surrenders all to God. At times, faith seems crazy. Faith obeys God no matter what. Faith has a motto, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Now, here's the problem um, with this life of faith God calls us to. It's not easy, and we mess up. None of us trust God perfectly. But here's the good news. God sent his son, and before he died on the cross for us, he lived a perfect life, and he trusted the Father completely. And then he dies on a cross, and he pays for our sins, and God has completely accepted you, even despite all your flaws and my flaws. And because we are so loved, so accepted, so forgiven, we are all the more motivated to trust this kind of God. So church, let me ask you again, what tests are you going through today? Nobody else can decide whether or not you, like Abraham, will trust him. Sarah couldn't decide that for Abraham. Your, your spouse, if you're married, cannot decide. Your, your mother or dad cannot decide. Your pastor cannot decide. Only you will decide. Will you trust the Lord? God is looking for people who will dare to live by faith. Be such a one. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> Lord, we're your people, and Lord, we want to obey you and to trust you, or we wouldn't be here. We want to, but Lord, we need your grace. Would you help us to trust you in the trials of life that we're going through right now? Friend, if you're in the room, you've never taken the first step of faith to open your heart to Jesus, put your trust in a Savior, do so right now. Do so right now. You're made for it. This is what you're designed for. 
Breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord God, please be with every single one of us. These are your people. Help us, Lord, to trust you. In Christ's name, amen.